Hey guys, and welcome back to another edition of the Leadership Download. My name is Travis Van Dusen, back here with my friend Cameron Singh. And today we have another special guest with us today is pastor and CEO, uh, Mark Stockland from the Haiti Bible Mission. Mark, thank you for being with us. Oh, thanks uh, for the invite. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. So just a little backstory on Mark. I met Mark while I was living in Haiti in my, my early 20s, and we connected a little bit, and uh, we're kind of circling back and talking leadership. We're talking Bible. We're talking kind of what's going on in Haiti and just a little bit of everything. We're excited about what we're talking about tonight. But Mark, to just get us started off, you know, what, is, what does the Haiti, Haiti Bible Mission do? Uh, our main focus is empowering leaders to transform communities. Uh, what that looks like is uh, we we have a desire and a passion to equip, train, and empower young indigenous men and women, uh, typically high school, college age, um, to help them not only finish their school and education, but to go on to secondary school, college, and to um, pursue their dreams. You want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer, you want to be a carpenter, you want to be a teacher, whatever it is. But while you're doing that, and I'm fundraising to pay for that, is while you're in the education piece, we do a lot of discipleship, leadership development stuff, marriage classes, uh, financial fin uh, management, um, spreadsheets, budgets. Um, uh, they have to be in a discipleship class, small group. They have to serve in our church. Uh, we uh, teach them a skill and a trade. So we really see there's a lot of missions out there that um, do either just biblical stuff, then there's missions out there that just do humanitarian aid and education. And I'm kind of one of those guys, I'm like, why can't we combine both? Why can't we get these men and women out there down into the communities, into the streets, being successful, making money, doing business, but also uh, creating godly men and women that love and treasure Jesus, that we can have godly families down, right, impacting these communities. So that's what we focus on. And uh, that's what I spend a majority of my time doing, helping train. Uh, the leaders over there, as well as in the states, fundraising to make that happen. And that's excellent. Just to kind of add on to that, it's really important to understand that this this kind of ministry is kind of non-existent in, in Haiti at the moment uh, of going that deep and 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 expanding into like the finances and 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 teaching people how to manage their 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 lifestyle better. Uh, right. I I know I've been, I've been in Haiti many times and I've never heard of anything going that deep. So that's awesome. So you know, kind of. Jumping into that first question, you know, we're, like I said, we're talking, you know, Bible leadership, you know, um, how has leadership development shaped your life and career? Um, yeah, it, it definitely, being, being in Haiti the last 12 and a half years and, and focusing on that, I think it's really got me to focus on the bigger picture and long-term impact um, because discipleship, uh, it gets beyond the one-man show, right? And, and it becomes about the team and others. Um, but the long-term impact, you know what I mean? And um, the big picture, because there's so many things that you can do. Like you just pay for someone's school or you just do a building project, right? Or you feed somebody. That's just a quick fix. But discipleship and empowerment is, a, you're looking at a long-term. Like we don't see a lot of success in the first, when I say success, like depends on how you view it. But we don't see a lot of things happen in the first year, two years. We start seeing stuff three, four years right down the road. You're seeing the growth. So it, it's really helped me see that uh, do I really want a quick fix or am I really in for a heart transplant, like a complete life transformation where these people really get it? Um, so, yeah, that's really shaped how I view leadership, how I view business, you know what I mean? How I view how I lead as a, as a person. And it's very similar to raising my four kids, right? Like I want, I don't just 
bark orders and tell them what to do. I train them. I teach them. I want them to be able to be men and women that can be self-sustaining, not always need dad and mom around, right? So it's kind of that uh, same model is like I'm taking young men and women and we're trying to disciple, empower, and equip them. And that's um, that's really turned into being one of those things where I look back and I go, man, I should have been doing this better and more back when I was in the business world, because I think it's, it's, it's that important, but I would take what I'm doing the same model. And I would, I would definitely put it into the business world. You know, if I'm ever back in that field, you know? Yeah. I didn't put it in the notes, but I'm curious, you know, what would you say is the biggest leadership challenge that you've had living in Haiti and, and, and kind of leading the organization over the years? Um, oh, trying to build the team, the unity, the, the culture, you know, culture strategy for breakfast. I think most people know that, but trying to create that culture and, um, it's because there's a culture in Haiti. There's a culture with the youth. Just look in America, look in Guatemala, Haiti, Dominic, right? There's, there's a culture. And so trying to, there's a culture in churches. Some of it's good. Some of it's bad, right? There's a culture in, right? Um, America. And so just trying to create that, I think it's been, it's been a challenge because you always get, you, know, you always get that 80% that seem to really grasp and get it. And you got the 20%, you know, what I mean? it's just a nonstop struggle. But some of the things are just so ingrained into their upbringing, their family. But I mean, I could raise my hand and say the things I've dealt with even into my 40s now, you know, stem back to childhood or high school days. It, it's hard to break that. So, yeah, it's, it's a challenge to get people to, to kind of, you might say, buy in uh, some of them, you know. So it's but I, I'd say that's that's still a challenge here, too. Right. Like. You see kids yeah. that have been either raised on the street or that grew up in poverty where that's all they know. So you're, you're trying to show them a better way and empower and disciple them. But but you're faced with some challenges that maybe another student might not have just based on their upbringing. But Haiti, you're just behind the eight ball, uh, I think, just from the get go, which, you know, from living there, Travis's, you know, people haven't always had that opportunity to think of goals, dreams, you know, um, Right. Uh, the checklist. Hey, here's where I want to be in six months or a year because they've been living day to day to fight to survive. And I'm trying to come in and teach them how to how to live and plan, you know, three, six months, a year, two years down the road. So so that's been a challenge. What's great, though, is after 12 and a half years, you got a good chunk of people who are who are getting it. But, uh, oh, yeah, early on, it was a big struggle. Cameron, do you have anything you want to add? Uh, no, uh, should we move on to the next one? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so Mark, uh, what has the Bible taught you about leadership? Well, the Bible teaches me a ton, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say first it teaches me it's not easy, but it's so worth it. Um, meaning nothing, you know what I mean? Every time you read the scripture and see what Jesus was doing with the disciples and, and, and discipleship, mentoring the 12 disciples, it was never, in my opinion, easy. They were always messing up, failing, um, but Jesus let them fail. He let them make mistakes and then he just taught them and, um, and helped them. Um, you know, reading through the Bible, following Jesus example, it's always reminded me there'll always be a Judas at your table. You know, you can have a circle of great men and women, but, uh, there's always going to be, cause we've had it happen. Most people in ministry or leadership have, um, you know, so just every time you open the scriptures, um, there's something I feel like God is teaching me about, uh, how to lead and, about leadership. I know that uh, it's really taught me to slow down, like in Mark 1, Mark 6, there's many examples, but um, just when Jesus goes away and after doing all the healing in Mark chapter 1, and 
Um, it says that he went away and, and prayed, got up early and went away and prayed. And all the disciples got up and they're looking for him. And uh, they, when they find him, they're like, Jesus, where were you at? Like, we, we were looking for you. I mean, it's, it's not like Jesus went away and quick read a little verse on the Bible. Like, literally, Jesus slowed down and went and spent quality time with the Father. Like, he got recharged. Um, and then in Mark 6, after the 12 come back, they're telling Jesus what they did. And Jesus is like, hey, you guys got to come away and rest. You guys have been so busy, it says that they couldn't even eat. So I know early on in my ministry in Haiti, man, it was like, you know, 80 hour weeks, you know, no days off. And I was just operating in an unhealthy way. So studying the scriptures, God has really taught me to slow down, how to model Sabbath, rest, uh, recharging the batteries, because you can't give of what you don't possess. So if I'm empty, I don't have anything to give. And so I've been humbled, embarrassed, and um made a lot of mistakes in that area the first several years until God kind of got a hold of my heart. And, um, and then part of that slowing down allowed me to see where I was building. Um, I want to say it's first Corinthians. Is it three where it talks where Paul says that not to build a foundation, uh, take precaution and think about what you're building your foundation on, right? Whether it's gold, hay, straw, or right. Or whether it's Christ. Mm -hmm. Right. So by slowing down has allowed me to look and evaluate the ministry, look and evaluate what am I doing? How am I doing as a leader? And I, I know for the first several years, Travis, even back when you were there, um, I was kind of building my ministry on my people, on my success, on numbers, on money. Um, and, and it really wasn't necessarily, I think, on, on Christ because then when trials and tribulation came, I was starting to see some, some holes in the boat. Where I was just like, mm -hmm. man, why are we sitting? What, what's going? You're, what's going on? But, and so that's man, just studying the scripture, just following Jesus. I can see, man, I got to slow down, right? Like I got to see, man, what am I really doing? So, man, when you're in God's word and you're really wanting to grow and receive the, you might say the constructive criticism or the slap in the face from God. Sometimes, like wake up, you know, uh, it really does help show me where I'm doing things either good or especially at times, man, where I've where I've really failed. So. Um, the Bible's really taught me a ton about leadership, man. A lot. Yeah, that's that's good. You know, and, and one of the things that's so awesome about the Bible is, you know, you talked about going through different seasons of life, right? You go through right. different challenges. And one of those one of the things I've noticed in studying scripture and studying leadership is that um, you can almost find a, a biblical character for almost every season of life you're oh, going yeah. through. You know, so who's your who's your go to biblical characters when it comes to kind of, you know, trying to center yourself on you know, how you're leading? Um, I, I feel like, man, there's so many because, I mean, I, I feel like I'm a Peter. I love Paul. I feel like I'm a Moses and my background story. But I would say kind of my two guys would be like Daniel and Joseph. Um, Daniel, because, man, he he had he had conviction. You know, like in Daniel 1.8, you know, he said he, he committed, you know, that he wasn't going to, uh, he purposed his heart ahead of time. He wouldn't defile himself, right? Like he's, he's I've got a commitment and I'm not going to, I'm not going to waver. So many times in ministry, you know, it's like, oh, I can jump to this or I can jump to that because it'll either bring in money or maybe this is a good opportunity. Instead of just sticking to what God's called me or sticking to the truth. Daniel was also somebody who, man, he had great character, reputation. Um, but here's what I love too, is when Daniel got promoted, um, it says that he, he asked the king to bless Shadrach, Meshach, and like he put them in charge. So he, he's this guy that like, he's looking to help empower others, right? He could easily just been like, Hey, look, I'm a, I'm a stud. I'm the smartest guy. I'm interpreting dreams. I'm doing all this stuff. Hey, I know you guys didn't bow and you guys got thrown in. You guys are back out of the fire and all that good job, but you know, still be over here. Like, I think it's cool that Daniel was 
living a life above reproach. But when he got elevated, he brought others with him and put them in power too. And I don't think that was just by accident. I think Daniel was a guy who was like spending time and trying to help those under and around him to become successful. Um, so even Daniel six, right? Daniel in the lion's den. I love that. He, he knew what was going on. Sometimes we know dangers coming or, you know, hard things are coming. And I think I've, I've been there where I, I tend to be fearful. Daniel was just like, I'm going to go pray like I always do, you know? So uh, Daniel, and then Joseph, just somebody to me, I just go, he went from having his dream and vision, this calling from the Lord to, you know, the story of Joseph getting sold by his brothers and then his rise to power, which we all know success, right? Like we're like, Hey, things are going good in my life, marriage, family, ministry. And then plummets again, gets, you know, Potiphar's wife, right. Gets him in jail. But then he comes back up, um, you know, out of there, but he gets forgotten about for years. But here's the thing. Joseph doesn't change. He doesn't waver through the, through the low. He doesn't blame God. He just is faithful in the good and he's faithful in the, in, in, in the rough season. And, uh, it says that everything he did prosper. So those are two guys that just kind of always try to model and follow is staying through those convictions as, as I grow and get success, like Daniel, am I bringing others up and around? You know what I mean? Uh, Joseph, am I, am I just as happy and content to serve and follow Jesus in the prison? Just like I am when I'm in charge of Potiphar Pharaoh's house. Right. Um, so yeah, those are two guys that, man, if I could, if I could be like those guys, it'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. You know, one of what I was curious to know, you know, just, you're talking about biblical characters. I know you're also somebody who truly values mentorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what is, you know, beyond just, you know, scripture to men- mentors you through these biblical characters, obviously, um, you know, how, how important is it to you to have spiritual mentors and people who are helping you kind of take your journey and, and giving you spiritual guidance along the way? Oh, it's super helpful, man. Like the CEO of Agape Flights, Alan Spear, who I actually called dad. Um, he calls me son. My kids call him Grandpa Spear. He's He's been a mentor for me for probably ooh, what eight, seven, eight, seven years, maybe eight years. Um, yeah, having somebody that's, you know, 15, what, 16 years older, right? Like it, just somebody older, wiser to, hey, I've been down that road, you know, just somebody to to pour into me, challenge me. Um, Hey, you know, how are you loving your wife? Are you serving her? Hey, you spending time with your kids? Are you slowing down? Right. Like, um, and then one of my best friends who's pastor Nathan Herndon, a a lead pastor at Providence, same thing. I just, he just helps me be a better leader, better pastor, uh, better father. And, um, yeah, without that, I just feel like it's, it's so easy to just get in a rut or not see the, the shadow or the blind spots. You know what I mean? Like we all have them. And so when you have somebody who spends time with you and can ask those tough questions and uh, whether it's sins and not just sins, I mean, those are important, right? To confess or to, to get things right, but just to mentor and say, how are you, how are you doing that? How did you do this and get, become successful? And what, what things do you have that you could speak to me to help me grow or some things that you've made mistakes that you want to share with me that maybe you could help me? Cause I don't want to make that same mistake. Right. I just think you can't even put a price tag on that, you know? Um, but I've, if people have a chance, I think it's something you gotta, you gotta want it. You gotta, you gotta ask or invest back, right? People can invest, but if you don't receive it or you're not going, Hey, I'll, cause I mean, I'll go spend time with these guys, right? Like I'll say, Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Hey, can I come and just hang with you for a few hours? You know what I mean? A few hours. It takes a sacrifice for both 
both people. You, I think you understand that, but uh, I, I don't think you can put a price on it. So I'm like, oh, I don't have time today. I feel like you don't have time not to at least every once in a while to go spend time with somebody that can really invest in and help you. Just it's uh, it's priceless, I feel. So I like what you said there when you're talking about that, the importance of the return, which you're saying when someone's mentoring you, you're actively responding and adjusting and and not just letting someone tell you a bunch of information and then do absolutely nothing with it and then expect to come right back to them six months later with the same the same story. I've seen this so many times. It's like, oh, no, yeah. mentorship is you're going to the well, you're going for wisdom. Right. What are you doing with that wisdom afterwards? I think that's the right. payment back to that mentor. Right. Um, yeah, because I, I want to so apply crucial. it to my life. If somebody gives me wisdom, I'm like, well, thank you, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Like, I want to be a better leader, husband, father. So if you have wisdom, uh, you have some ideas. Um, and we all know that, I mean, every book I read, I mean, like from Francis Chan to, you know, whoever, it's not like I take everything 100% and go, I've got to do this. Man, I take tidbits and I'm, I'm applying it right to my life. So everything I'm reading, right? And so that's what I do with my mentor. I'm, I'm obviously because they're invested. I'm, I'm really listening strong, but my life and situation is going to be different. Just think about it. I'm, I'm looking to be mentored by guys who live in the States and I live in Haiti, right? I travel a lot. They don't. So you take that wisdom and you try to go, okay, how can I make that work in my situation? And then, you know what I mean? So, yeah, but you, you got to apply it. If you don't apply it, then you're just wasting everybody's time. Cameron, you got anything there? Yeah, so I actually had a question before moving on to the next one. Um, I know yeah. you have some experience um, kind of in, in, the, in the business world, uh, and then you decide to, to go into full-time ministry, move into Haiti. Um, what for those watching out there, um, I know it's, it's a challenge to live out your faith in, in the business world, um, as a leader, uh, what, what recommendations do you have on, on how to best live your faith out in, in the business world, the marketplace or whatever you call it? Yeah, um, man, before I was even in ministry, I was in ministry, meaning I think we're all called to serve and live on mission daily as Christians, as Christ followers. And um, I mean, yeah, when I was building homes, I got to lead a couple of guys to the Lord uh, that uh, are now actively huge supporters of Haiti Bible Mission, my ministry in Haiti, that I led to the Lord in the construction field. And I didn't go around and preach Jesus. I just lived my life. You know, I wasn't, mm -hmm. I, I stood out. I was kind. I'm not, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, I, I don't mean this to be a brag, but when I was working in construction, imagine you know what construction guys do. Imagine a yeah. bunch of cursing and swearing, and hey, let's, go the strip, let's go hit the strip club on Friday night, Saturday, right? And yeah, um, yeah, I work and hang with these guys. I've officiated weddings for these guys. I, but hey, man, I'm going to church Sunday. Hey, you guys want to go now? All right. Well, hey, we're doing a barbecue. So I'm inviting people, just hanging out. I'm like, I'm just trying to be set apart and different, but but love people. There's no judgment. I'm like, hey, we're going to the strip club. All right, guys. Well, hey. I'll see you Monday. Let me know. If you're right. Like, I'm just trying to be who I think if Jesus was here, what he would do. And I think living out your faith gives an opportunity because what ended up happening uh, with one of the guys of the Lord, Jim Wheeler, uh, who's a board member right now, actively support uh, supporter of our ministry, him and his wife and uh, both his kids came to know Christ because I led Jim to the Lord. And it was just because he said there was something different about Mark. And he said he kept telling his wife about it. And so finally, he just got up and was like, man, there's something different. You tell me what's going on. You know, you're not like everyone else. And so to me, I just think that's that's the first thing I guess I would say is 
um, live it out in your actions, in your character, and and who you are. Because if you're acting, talking, and being just like everyone else, um, you know, there, there's nothing different about you, you know. And I guess I also feel too like there's I don't know if this is part of your your question or whatever, but like there's either consumer mentality or there's an investor mentality. The consumer is what can I get out of the company? What can I get from a relationship? And I've always tried yeah. to be an invest an, an investor. Mm. If I'm if I'm working for Travis, I, I want to see what as an employee, like this is how I operate. What can I give? How can I make Travis look better? How can I make Travis more money? How can I encourage Travis? How can I be a blessing mm. to his family? How can I be a blessing to my coworkers? Uh, how can I be a blessing to this organization that I that I represent on my on my shirt when I was working at Syntex Homes or working at the golf course? And so I yeah. think there's so many times where when we're walking around as consumers, Christians, but Christian consumers, you know, we're mad because the boss didn't do this. We're mad because the company didn't do this. And so we. We're not walking around with the joy of the Lord about looking how we can serve, right? Like Jesus Christ came to serve, not to be served. And so that's not always been my mentality. And um, I think when you serve and you live a life, um, good character and morals, right? And you stand apart and just let your life talk. People are going to follow that. It's going to be contagious because people that's going to people are going to gravitate to that. So mm-hmm. I don't and know then, if that uh, answers uh, to your question. No. No, that's good. And I had another one um, because I know this is something that that um, you know some of my friends struggle with, and I st- I still do t- uh, to this day. Is um, how do you know, or uh, you know, from your experience, how do, how do you know how uh, how did you know when you were ready to uh, that you saw your calling for you know going into full time ministry and starting this organization? How, how did you know that that was your calling, and your calling wasn't to continue on in the business world. Yeah, I think, man, if I can just shoot straight, I mean, I, I, I've had, I guess I've had a couple of people ask me that. To me, I, I just feel it's, it's not, it's not always black and white. Like I think God, now God laid it on my heart. I was, I was just feeling restless. I wasn't feeling the peace. I lost the passion to do what I was doing. And I just remember telling my wife, Lisa, I was like, man, I feel like God's created me for so much more. So I just asked myself some questions. I said, how many people want my job? probably a lot of people. How many people could do my job better than me? Probably a lot of people. But how many people would give this up and go move to Haiti and plant churches, schools, and and, and disciple teenagers? Probably not very many. So if my yeah. goal is to do the biggest kingdom impact thing, then what's holding me back? Nothing other than my six-figure salary. Nothing other than the comforts of right, the American dream, you might call it. But the, I didn't audibly hear God say, hey, go. You know, I didn't even know at the time when I was going to get in ready that what the name and logo for my ministry was right. I didn't have any of that. I didn't have a year or two of like, hey, I'm now called into ministry. I'm going to go work and learn how to fundraise and I'm going to write. Like, so for me, this is what I even tell people when they come to visit us on mission trips. I think God requires and wants to see a step of faith. So I always told people, because I mean, I got cursed up one side and down the other from my mother-in-law who at the time didn't know Jesus. She's like, I can't believe you're taking my, you know, my, my, cause my son who's 13, he was just born when we took off and uh first and only grant, you know, and taking my daughter and uh, her daughter, my wife, Lacey, and we're heading to Haiti. Right. I don't speak the language. I don't have any fundraising. I don't have any money. I literally just told her, I'm going to get out of the boat. Like Peter, I'm going to walk on water. 
Like it, it takes at some point you have to take a step of faith. So I believe when you sense the restlessness and the God's leading, I think you seek counselors. Cause I did, I went and sought my pastors and they asked me the question. They said, well, what's holding you back? That's some of the conversation you have because the multitude of counselors are safety. So you have to seek wisdom. And if you're married, you seek counsel through your family. But then when you sense and see that man, like I'm, I feel God calling me here. Then so many times what I see, even in my own life, because I feel like Moses, and this is part of my story. That's why I said, once I got to the point where God was calling me, I was gone. When I graduated high school, I didn't want to do ministry. I wanted to be a professional golfer. I wanted to make money. And here's why. Because I said, I'm not educated as, as my younger brothers are. They got all these initials after their name, probably like Travis, you know, I don't know what all those initials are. You, know, you graduate with all kinds of stuff. It's like when they, when they mentioned my brother's name, it's like he's got this, 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 and from this college and this and this from this college. And with me, it's just, hey, guys. Welcome, Pastor Mark Stockwell, right? So, like, there's no initials with my name, but there was a fear of, like, Moses, like, I can't talk. I'm not educated, right? Uh, there's so many people better than me. And it's like, and then that's where, back to where you said the Bible teaches me, like, if God can take Moses and, and lead, you know, a million and a half people, right? If he can use 12 unor untrained and ordinary men, you know, like in Acts 4, then if I can just be a farm boy from Iowa and God, I don't have everything, but I just have a willing heart. Can you use that? You know? And then I just had to take a step of faith and just, and just go for it. So I think you have to do some communicating. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are like, Hey, I want to go into ministry. And they just, they, they just go, they didn't yeah. seek wisdom and counsel. Um, I, I think that's very important. You still need to have some faith and get step out of the boat and go. Right. Because I think, I think that's just part of the part of the process. But um, because if everything was easy and laid out, like, hey, Travis, you know, camera, I'm, I'm going to give you guys each 75 grand to come be it right. Do this. I give you everything. Everything's laid out. It's like, sure, I'll do that. There's no you don't need to pray about it. You don't need a team around you. But you say you're going to the mission field. Now, you got to pray about it. Take a step of faith. You got to figure out how you're going to pay bills. There's a lot of faith and trust in the Lord. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think the, the multitude of counselors safety, you got to see counsel. I think you got to go with what your heart's telling you with, with the Lord. I mean, your heart can obviously deceive you, but I think there's a lot of times where people can get, maybe this sounds critical, but people can get the the butterflies like, Oh, it'd be yeah. cool to do a yeah. leadership podcast thing. Uh, oh, it'd be cool to be a missionary. It'd be good. Right. And they got this excitement, this butterfly, but is it really what you're called? Like, it, like if you told me right now, you can make whatever amount of money and go do something else. I'm still staying here, right? Like, cause this is what I love doing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If, if you're easily drawn away to something else, I don't know if ministry is it, but if you're unsatisfied and unhappy because you're like, man, I feel like this is it. Then, 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 then you, you know what I mean? Then you go for it. But I see a lot of people that jump into ministry and then like two, three years, they're, they're out five years. They're out. That's when I question go, was it ever a passion and a calling? Or was it just something that you thought you'd give it a shot? Cause you know what I mean? It seemed fun yeah. and cool or you were dissatisfied, but I think God lays something on people's hearts, right? Like God speaks to us through his word, through prayer. And uh, yeah, for a couple of years. Uh, so this is part of the story. I applied to be a pastor up at a church in Pennsylvania. And I flew up there and candidated, uh, spoke a couple of times. I quit my job. I mean, I had a really good job in Fort Myers, Estero, Florida. They called me and said they decided to go with somebody else. I was devastated. I called my old company and said, hey, can I, can I, can I come back and stay? They said, yes. It was that year of waiting, praying, seeking God. Why would you shut that door that I, I had the chance to then go to Haiti? So I wouldn't be mm. – I would have never started and had Haiti Bible Mission, been in Haiti, right, if I took that, that job. 
So that's where just trusting the Lord, the, the, the leading saying, you know, God, I don't know why you closed this door or this door, but he was just preparing and leading me. And I was just, just kind of following, you know? Wow. Yeah, that's so good. Um, so moving on to the next question. Um, many say that the world is in, in a leadership shortage. Um, so what do you think, how can the church better be a training ground for leaders for the church, the, the marketplace and, and leadership in general? I, I mean, I feel like I'm a little disconnected with what's kind of going on. You might say in the church today, cause I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just spend so much time in Haiti, but maybe I my thing would be maybe follow Jesus example. And it, it takes spending time with people. I think. Um, I think so many leaders, it's uh, read a book or, you know, they don't have time. I'm not criticizing mega. This is not a criticism. I'm just telling you how I, you're asking me a question I'm answering, right? So I just want to make that clear. Um, I don't want to criticize, but I have noticed there's a lot of people that even I've wanted to spend time with. They don't have time for you. You know, they're, they're busy. Why? Cause they get their, their, their big wigs, right? They, they got, and I sit there and go, but man, if we want to be like Jesus, and you don't want the ministry to be about you at some point for your legacy and for the kingdom to have a huge impact. And for more leaders, you have to, you have to be willing to spend some time with those men and women, show your humanity, your failures. You know what I mean? Your struggles, let them tag along with you to meetings. You know what I mean? Um, to me, I look at it similar in politics. you got mayors and governors who are so disconnected with these communities. They're trying to help, you know, the the impoverished gang you know um communities right they don't know what's going on in those communities but if you get down on their level and engulf yourself and walk those streets kind of like i walk the streets of haiti to see hey what can i do to help this area like so i look at what can i do to help this leader i wonder you know i wonder if people were pulling them under their wing a little bit more you know and i know that's not always easy to do because you got a ministry to lead but there again, is the ministry about you or is it about raising up another generation? Is it about leaving a legacy yeah. impact of empowering others? Um, you know, I just think there's a lot of churches where the culture is about one or two people, you know, the two most right gifted speakers or, you know, and I'm not criticizing that in a, in a, in a bad thing. I'm sure they're bringing a lot of people uh, to Jesus and making a big impact. But I'm sitting there going, how else how else are we going to help shape leaders? Because I just didn't have like, all right, guys, the textbook. All right, pull out chapter three here. We're going to go through it. Write down this is the end. No, Jesus taught them by even trial and error. Hey, guys, we got 5,000 people here. Um, all right, guys, I already know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to test you guys. All right, let's feed them. What are you guys going to do, right? He's he's just shaping and, and walking through. He's just doing life with them, and he's putting them in situations. You know what I mean? And um, I, I just think that I haven't seen that very often. I also think you got to give men and women chances to lead, uh, give yeah. them a chance to fail, fail and grow because I'm sitting here talking to you. And man, if you ask me about, you know, how many failures and mistakes and stupid things I've done, you'd need me to be on this podcast for seven hours because <laughs> I have made so many, but here's the thing. God allowed me to make those mistakes. My wife did, my team did. Right. And, and we learn and grow through those. And so many times there's leaders that we're, we're running such a, a high profile ministry organization we don't want to, we're spinning plates and we don't want to hand those off because that guy drops that plate, right? Like our, our whole lives are a wreck. And I'm like, but how is somebody else going to know how to spin the plates if you don't pass a plate off and let them spin it and break it? And he's going to figure it out, you know? And and if they're not capable, you empowered, you tried and you, you, you do the next one, right? But you don't, you can't just give up because a couple people, you know, 
don't work out or, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I just kind of feel like, yeah, people say that we're running a shortage, but I think there's, there's enough people that if they, if, if they had the quality mentorship and people spending time and really, you know, investing in them and helping them see that authentic, uh, real person, because there's people like me out there and like Mike Moses that don't feel gifted, don't feel qualified, don't feel like we can do it, but you kind of need the Lord and someone else to just help, help you get there. And some of that is showing the realness of who we are that, man, I've screwed up in that. Cause my mentors, like we were saying a few minutes ago, man, when my mentors tell me the mistakes they've made, all of a sudden it gives me hope, right? They're <laughs> like, Oh my goodness. These are the guys that like are my heroes. And yet I feel at times they've done stuff worse than me, different. It, you know what I mean? And we've all got, and it's like, Oh my gosh, like, well, if I can forgive that, or if they can use that in a ministry to propel them, man, then the mistakes I'm making, God's just going to use those. So, you know, to me, I just think they're good. Those are valuable things to help create and shape some of these next generation leaders, you know? You're so right. It's truly all about the people. And, um, you know, I was one to always be busy, busy and not try to invest in people. But when you carve out that time and invest those people and then you see the return or you see you see that growth in you, in, in the individual. I mean, that's that's more rewarding than um you know, not not trying to invest in people. When you take that sacrifice, right. you sacrifice that time to mentor and help develop other people uh, inside yeah. and out of the church. It, it really goes a long way. Right. Well, I mean, you guys can sit there and go, well, uh, or I could say, hey, I need to do a video. And because both you guys are like good speakers, you're used to being on camera. I could just have you guys come do a video for me or. I could spend weeks or months training a few people, right? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. To do that so then they could be good on camera, mm -hmm. right? You know what I mean? And that's the thing is so many times like, hey, I need a guest speaker. So, yes, sometimes you got to have a good speaker come in. But what if you you had that guy come in because you need to, but you've been training this young guy or this young girl back here for the last year and a half, and they're really close. They're getting right, right? And then now you get to the point where you don't have to call somebody else because you equip some people in your own business, your own organization, your own church, and now these people got it. And now you've got a team of people in your back pocket ready to help you that think like you, talk like you, you know, get the culture. And um, yeah, yeah I mean, just, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I don't I don't know if this is even relevant, but I just sit there and think like I had these things made. So I, I follow a lot of things even with business. So I, it's funny the business world gets it in the church Christianity. It seems like we drop the ball all the time. And I'm there again. I'm not being negative. I'm just saying sometimes it's just the way it is. So if you look at um, big, successful businesses and I read books on CEOs and stuff, you've got um, and now I'm just drawing a blank, the uh, Ritz Carlton. So the CEO for Ritz Carlton, like. They, I, I read what he does for the for the culture to create culture for their team, right? For team unity and stuff. And they have these cards, right? And 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 every day employees pull these cards out and they read them before they go work. And it's we are what is it something like uh, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. But it's just simple. Mm -hmm. and then it's and and then it's like they put them back in their pocket and they go do it. Man, you're creating a team of people. So I was like, you know what? If the Ritz Carlton can be successful, have you ever been to a Ritz Carlton? Like those people get it. They get business, they get culture, they get customer service, they get it. How can Haiti Bible Mission follow that? So I made these cards. I don't know if you can see them. Can you see them? Yeah. Yeah. They're just it's like a credit card. It's like it's hard, it's hard plastic, it has my logo on it. But on the back, it says it has our mission and vision. It says leading and serving with humility and excellence and empowering leaders to transform communities. So every one of my leaders has this in their purse or wallet and every day before we go to work we pull them out 
we read it, we put it back in. Now we're a Christian organization, so we pray, we share a little devotional, we go. This is what we're about. I mean, you can pull, if you see one of my leaders not acting right, hey, pull out your card in your wallet. What's it say? Empowering leaders, transferring community. Okay, leading and serving with humility and excellence. Were you humble or were you prideful right there? You know, is the job you did with excellence, right? And I just sit there and go, I'm trying to be that guy that creates, right, a ton of leaders that you don't need me. You know what I mean? And there again, if it was all about me, I wouldn't be investing money and time into, you know, things like this for a team. And I think that's where mega churches or other people, right? It, it can be a couple guys. Man, this is for every one of my, this is for everybody that calls HBM, you know, their family. And so I want to create, I want every single guy and girl at 80 Bible Mission to be important and part of the team, you know? Yeah, I mean, just one recent example, a personal example. I just moved to the Chicago area and joined a church. And the uh, first time I gave offering after going to the church for a couple months, and the lead pastor sent me a little postcard saying thank you and sent me an right. email. would love to hear about your story. And the, uh, just a simple card, a thank you card, right. started a conversation. And now I'm part of his Bible study. I mean, small things right. like that. For him, it may not have meant anything but for me that went a long way because you know growing up in the church that's the first time i received something like that i mean so right. being right. you know taking that time to invest in people to sow in people that just goes a long way oh yeah absolutely so i didn't mean to go rambling on there but when you know you just talk about what's what's lacking i just go you know what are the yeah. things to try to draw people to see man like i want you part of this team like you know if you're mm -hmm. believing in this and you got this card then you're part of my team and and, and we're going to do everything we can to make you as successful as, as we can it's not just like oh i've only got time for you know my top yeah. guy like no i want to get i want to get everybody and yeah and, and do i have i have 40 leaders i've got some that are better than others right and so they're in different positions but you have i still and we all have to still let the others try and fail and make mistakes you know what i mean and grow and um yeah, man, that's, I just think it, but it all comes down to the people, right? And just yeah, spending time and investing into them. Yeah. And if you don't leave that room for failure, then they're not going to grow. Yeah. Or if they're fair, scared, they're going to get fired or, you know, you're right. Embarrassed. Um, you got to let it, you got to let it happen. Absolutely. Wow. That's so good. And, I, and what I, I can tell you about Mark, your, your organization, Mark, is that I, I've seen it grow and, and you've got guys that literally they don't miss a beat. You don't, you, I mean, you literally don't, you, you don't have to be there. Things right. move on, things move. And that's so important. And as that organization grows, you know, you're not, you may not be able to touch all 40 people, but you invest in maybe a small group that then turns around and invest in the, in the group as a whole. So, I mean, there's always that kind of that, you know, succession of, right of giving the wisdom and kind of giving the vision uh, on a daily basis. And I, and I like one thing you said, Mark, was that you said that the, the business, the business world gets it sometimes a lot better than the church does. Uh, right. And, and there's, there's a lot of things that I have to say that I agree with that. So, so, I mean, it's so true. Um, you know, I was just, I was listening to a pastor a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about how, you know, 50, 55 per 53 percent of Americans right now won't will not darken the doorsteps of a church. It's just not right. it's, it's not going to happen. And, right. he's, and he and he said, here's the thing. And this guy who's speaking, he's, he's you know, it's a very common, very famous speaker. He said, here's the thing. 
if I was to go into the business world, which he speaks to the business world as well, and he said, if I was to go into the business world and say 53% of your, your, your audience is not going to show up because of X, Y, Z, he says they would be leaving the, the, the auditorium in, in masses to go solve that problem. Right. They would they wouldn't be they wouldn't they, they wouldn't want to stay for the rest of it because they say, okay, this is the problem. This is what we have to fix. And right. And, and I just love what you say, because kind of going into that, that next question is, you know, we are um, living in more of a post-Christian uh, world, right. especially here in the United States than we've ever seen. And and having great leaders specifically in the church, I mean, leadership, there is a deficit. So if anyone should have great leaders, it should be the church. Right. Um, you know, what are you seeing? What are you thinking? What are you what are you seeing? What are you thinking moving forward? I mean, you get to interact with a lot of different pastors. You get a lot of different denominations, a lot of um, different kind of walks of life. Right. What what do you see moving forward is going to be important so that the, the church continues to mobilize in an environment that maybe is not quite as favorable? as it once was, you know, 20, 30 years ago in the, here in the U S. Yeah. It's uh, that's a loaded question. That's a hard yeah. one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just being honest. Cause I mean, like, like I said, I, I spent, yeah, I do spend a lot of time visiting and being with churches and I, you know, there's some churches that seem like, boy, they're really got a great culture and they're, 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 they're banging on all cylinders. You know, I, I'll be honest. There's a few churches that, uh, that I visit that have a couple hundred people and they seem to be, you know, more generous and, you know, there's something, you know, not just financially, but just with their time and their people and the spirit than, than some of the big ones, you know, I think, uh, Oh, I don't know, man, that that's, that's a hard one. I think it just comes back to, to the creating a culture where you, you got a lot of leaders there. You're not making the thing about you one or two people. Um, cause I'm just sitting there thinking how many people, let's just say the church is 500 to a thousand people. Are all those people getting care? Are all those people getting discipled? I'll bet everything I own. People that, I bet everything I own. There's people that come in and out of that church, if not weekly, monthly, that don't, that are, I mean, they're either depressed and going through divorce. They're probably uh, not even getting much of a depth conversation or going out to breakfast. Or and Here's the reality. I'm not blaming the pastor, right? Like, hear me out. I'm not blaming the pastor um, or the pastor. There's two or three, four for a big church. But so many times I feel like it's like, well, if you want to be a part of this club program and the small group or AA or, you know what I mean, recovery program or whatever it is, or you want to go on a mission trip, come let us know. Well, what if we went to them? You know what I mean? Like Jesus wasn't always, you know, like, hey, guys, if you want to hear me, come and talk. He's like, oh, is there a party over at the tax collectors? All right, I'm heading over there. Oh, is there is people drinking beer and wine over at this lady's house? All right, I'm heading over there. You know, it's like, Jesus was always going to the people and I just sit there and wonder if there was more, I'm just throwing out ideas, but like just more people that had that evangelistic heart or that shepherd, that care that, like I was saying earlier in the, uh, the podcast, like a consumer versus uh, an investor, like whatever we have the church full of investors where we were teaching and talking about what it looks like to go after your neighbor, go after your loved ones, go after new people. Um, but literally a lot of growth in churches, let's just be honest, it's not unbelievers coming to know Jesus. It's it's mm. it's church hoppers. It's people unhappy with another church yeah. and they're coming. Let's be honest. Like where are the lives being changed? Because we're not being 
trained, empowered, equipped to go out. It's like we're a country club. Hey, I came and got my fix. Uh, it was great to be here. Great to see everybody. Hey, same time next week. Yep. Friday tea time. Let's go. Right. Like, and, and I know that sounds like I'm bad talking, but there's a lot of that cultural stuff where it's not favorable for people to come in and just, man, like, but I guess there again, that's my evangelistic heart too. Like if somebody comes in new to the church, man, Hey, you want to go out for dinner and I take you out to lunch? Like, Oh man, I'd just love to get to know you. Right. Like, and then just, and then just chase after them. But that's just how I operate. And so, but I try to create people with that same kind of mentality. And even if it's not their gifting, I think biblically, we're still supposed to go after and have a hospital. I mean, those in leadership, Paul said, you right, given to hospitality, right? Like there's all these things that you have to have. And I go, how many people are having others into their home, their neighbors, people from church? So I think we're getting into an era too with the COVID stuff too. People are staying home. People are yeah. kind of going, well, every Christian in every church is acting the same as me. What's the difference? I just took a guy out for breakfast after basketball. And he's like, yeah, I really don't go to church. He goes, I, I get nothing out of it. He goes, he goes, I just don't, I don't know why I go. And he goes, and then he goes, when I did go, he's like, they were all raising their hands and stuff. And he goes, I wasn't raised like that. It was all weird. And I was just like, <laughs> okay. I was like, I get that. But I said, um, I said, you love sports. He's like, oh, I love it. I said, well, when you go to the basketball game, you seem to be going pretty crazy, right? Oh, of course. You know, when my team's went. I said, well, guess what? I said, God sent his son for me and he paid the price I couldn't pay. I get to go to heaven. I get a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I said, just so you know, I said, that's why I raise my hands because I'm excited about Jesus. I said, I'm not trying to thump it over the head for you. I just want you to know that God wants a relationship with you. Oh, I hate religion. So does Jesus because it's not a list of rules. So I'm just trying to invest in this guy who doesn't go to church, right? Like, and um, I just wonder who's you got people like this who are like, why go? You know, they see hypocrites. They don't like it. Right. And um, yeah. I think it's going to be more important than ever for us to model it with our lives um, and maybe get, get more. When I say programs, get more things that are community focused. Right. Things in your community where your neighbor, where you live, work and play. I mean, that's where you're going to be known. That's where you're going to build your character, your reputation. Um, you know, there's so many functions going on in churches where it's like you got to drive across town to help a lady paint her fence when, you know what I mean? You got to figure out a program when there's somebody in your own backyard and neighborhood, mm -hmm. right? Who, who needs yeah. or needs help. It's like, um, I don't know that, 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 that it gets, it just gets tricky and hard. Cause we're going through the last year and a half has been a challenge. But to me, I just think it's, it's going after people and living that life. That's very humble admitting, Hey man, my marriage ain't perfect. Cause I think people look at Christians like, well, I can never live up to that. If they only knew how wicked and sinful my heart is apart from Jesus, you know, even as a Christian, a pastor, they really knew the thoughts in my mind, right? If they really knew the mistakes I've made, um, I think it'd be assuring to them to go, wow, you know what? Like, but I need God's grace and love forgiveness every single day. And I don't think people get to see that realness. And especially now they're going to need to see it in order if we're going to get revival and get people back on track for the Lord um, and be leaders. And I think you lead too through being humble, right? Like, Man, I've messed up, but I love Jesus. Yeah, you're right. You know, I got mad in the basketball court and swore. That was not, I was not a good ambassador for Jesus. Will you forgive me? You know, a few months ago, I had to do that. I'd apologize to a guy. I said, man, I said, that was not, that was not appropriate for me for somebody who calls Jesus my Lord and Savior. And I just want you to know, I'm sorry. And uh, man, it's so good when you can just be humble and admit mistakes and, you know, move forward. But I think that's good for the world to see. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very good. You know, I, I think that, that the way that sums all up in my mind is that, I think the church that I grew up in when I was a child was the pastor stood in front of the church and said, invite people to church, invite people to church, invite people to right. church, get them here. And we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do the rest. And I think that mindset, that, 
that method is no longer the way it is. It's it's living, li- you, you mobilizing your faith and, and living it out in your community at such a at such a high level that people have to ask you about right. about it at some point. That's that's right. ultimately that's that's going to fix this problem. I mean, right? Well, I, and the a, church isn't going <laughs> to the church is not going to fix anything. It's Jesus Christ. God's yeah. word, Jesus fixes things. Jesus transforms lives and hearts. If you got a bad morals, God will fix that, not the church. If you got a bad marriage, God will fix that. Now, people in the church, and that's it, it's the people, you know. But if we know our neighbor is struggling, if we're equipped, see, that's where it comes back to are we equipping others? If I'm equipped enough, if you guys are equipped enough, then you don't need to go, hey, go talk to my pastor. Hey, you know what? My pastor might not have time. But I'd love to sit through a few sessions just to pray with you, help you. Here's some resources that I've used. You know what I mean? And if there's anything I can do or any of my network or contacts, say, how can I serve you? Right? Like, um, I want people to know that I'm willing to serve, but Jesus loves them. I want, I don't, the church to me is that, that's where we should get some training and equipping. But then the rest of our week, right, should be us living it out. And I think, like you said, that's, yeah, people are like, oh, come to church and we'll nail it. Really? That's it? Like, I, I doubt it. You know, uh, some people do. Some people come to know Jesus. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I think there's good. And I think it's great for Christians to go and and worship. And, and I get excited. I love Christian worship. Right. Like I get all passion excited. And, you know, my church, Summit Church here in Fort Myers, you know, Stero, Naples, they got several campuses. Man, I love the worship and I love the teaching. Right. But here's the reality. It fires me up to go live it out. And so yeah. if it's if you're not getting equipped or fired up to go live it out Monday through Saturday, then we're just swiping the card going through the front gates of the country club, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's so good. So we're going to wrap this up. So sorry, I was preaching there, boys. No, that's absolutely, (laughs) that's absolutely fine. We love it. Love it. Love the passion. So, you know, people who want to get in contact with you, want to learn more about Haiti Bible mission, want to know more, maybe how they can serve what you're doing. How, you know, how can they get in contact with you or, or check out more about Haiti Bible Mission? Uh, you can check us out, HaitiBibleMission.org um, on on uh, website. You've got uh, Facebook, Haiti Bible Mission. we got uh, Instagram. You can follow us, see what's going on. Uh, you can shoot me an email if you want to talk to me, Mark, uh, M-A-R-K, at HaitiBibleMission.org. Shoot me an email. But, um, yeah, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, check out our website, uh, HaitiBibleMission.org. Uh, see, see what we're doing and what our leaders are doing. And, um, yeah, love to have anybody wants to get involved, pray with us, come serve, support, whatever, whatever God lays on your heart, man, we're game for whatever. Excellent. Well, Mark, thank you again so much for spending some time with us. And, uh, we wish you guys the best. We'll be praying for you guys as you travel back and forth between Haiti and, the U.S. and and figuring out all these new kind of nuances yeah. that are coming your way. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate. It. Thanks for having me on and playing. Right, thank you, Mark. You guys. All right, thanks, care. guys. God bless.